that, that story is somewhat of an extreme example of a mistake that people make, misinterpreting the words of Jesus that we're looking at this morning. Jesus gives two commandments in our passage, the, the first and greatest, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and the second, love your neighbour as yourself. And the mistake that, that many people make is trying to separate the two commandments, thinking that you can get away with only doing one or the other. Divorcing these two commandments that, that Jesus has brought together. Because while the first commandment is indeed greater than the second, as Jesus says, you can't meet the requirements of the first commandment if you don't also obey the second. You can't truly love God if you don't love your neighbour as well. We thought about that, that first and greatest commandment last week, and we saw that a love for God is something that only God himself can increase in us by the Holy Spirit. And as we grow in our love for God, that love flows into all the other areas of our lives. And a question that a verse like this would have raised for many of us, if I'm called to, to love God with everything, is it wrong for me to, to really love the good things in life? My, my family, my work, my hobbies, my responsibilities. And of course, that's not the intention of, of these words of Jesus. What Jesus is saying is that our, our first priority in life must be to love God, not your spouse, not your family or friends. And when we prioritise our love for God, our, our relationship with Him, we'll find that we love those other things in a way that, that honours Him and, and brings Him glory. So today we're, we're thinking about the, the second commandment, love your neighbour as yourself. And one thing that we must see as, as we look at it, that this commandment is a, a non-negotiable. It's not, it's not the greatest commandment, but... Jesus says it's, it's like the greatest commandment. There is a, a similarity about it. It's one that shouldn't be ignored, uh, shouldn't be ignored, but so often it is. Loving God leads to loving your neighbour, meaning if we're not loving our neighbour, it's very likely that, that we're not loving God in the way that he intends. Uh, there are three main questions I think this, this command leaves us with, which we'll work our way through. Firstly, who is my neighbour? Uh, secondly, how should I love my neighbour? Uh, and thirdly, what does it look like for us today? So the first question it raises, who is my neighbour? Uh, I was walking past Horseshoe Lake down in uh, Bird or, or Shirley the other day and I, I noticed that a duck had, had a fish hook through its leg. And as I spoke to some passers-by, we, we deliberated over what to do before agreeing that we didn't have a clue. Uh, we, we couldn't really get very close to it, so we left. Uh, and I've since found out the thing to do is, is to contact the SPCA. But at the time, I, I didn't know how to help. But I also noticed how, how quick I was to avoid having to do anything about it. To not take time out of my day. To not have to alter my schedule. And, and many of us have, have that underlying attitude when it comes to loving our neighbour. We want to define our neighbour as, as narrowly as possible so we can avoid any kind of disruption to our lives. But how does the Bible actually define our neighbours? The passage in Leviticus helps uh, give us some answers. Uh, a lot of the commandments that are given in chapter 19 are about the way the Israelites are to, be, uh, to treat other people. Uh, it mentions caring for people living next door, which is probably unsurprising. But then it mentions uh, care for the poor person, care for the person who works for you. 
care for the alien, uh, which means the foreigner. And it says, treat a foreigner as one of your own people. And then in verse 18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. See, for an Israelite, a neighbor included their own people, but it also included so much more. So neighbor, it seems it is very broad in Leviticus, but what about elsewhere in the Bible? Well, in Luke chapter 10, a Pharisee specifically asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Uh, which is where Jesus replies with the parable of the Good Samaritan, which, which many of you will know well. But a quick refresher, uh, a man's traveling when he's beaten and, and robbed and left for dead. Uh, a priest sees this man lying there, but he decides to, to pass by on the other side of the road. Uh, then a man from the tribe of Levi saw him, and, and when he came to him, he also crosses the other, to the other side of the road and, and passes by. But then a, a Samaritan man sees him and takes pity on him. Uh, and he takes him to an inn and, and nurses him. And then he pays for someone else to look after him. And Jesus flips the Pharisee's question on its head by asking, which of, which of these men was a neighbor to this man who, who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the man answers, the one who had mercy on him. Uh, and at the end of the parable, it's quite telling that uh, the man who asked Jesus the question, he doesn't even say the word Samaritan. He just says, the one who showed him mercy. Because there was, there was tension between the Jewish people and, and Samaritans at the time. So, so what does this parable tell us about who our neighbor is? Uh, a neighbor can be someone who is very different to us, even someone we perceive as an enemy. It can be someone who we don't even know that well. And where does that leave us? Well, I think a neighbor is whoever God places in our lives. It's our, it's our family and friends, surely, uh, the people who live around us, the people we work with, the people who we see at the shop every week, the person who we, who we bump into who is in need of help. Some, uh, some neighbours will be regularly in our lives. Some will be more temporary. A neighbour may be someone who's very similar to us or may have absolutely nothing in common with us. But that's the first question, who is my neighbour? Uh, the next question that we might ask is, how should I love my neighbour? And the answer to this is, is quite straightforward in some ways. Jesus says, love your neighbour as yourself. But what does that mean? Uh, most people in this world are, are inclined to look out for themselves. Uh, and I don't say that in a negative way. Uh, naturally, that's just what we do. Uh, I take it all of us are alive today, in part, because we know how to look out for our own interests. We don't need much encouragement to try and do things that are best for us. And just as we, we naturally look out for ourselves, Jesus says that is how we are to love others. Love them by looking out for their best interests. When it comes to loving ourselves, there can, there's a love for self that can be excessive and, and sinful. Uh, and we see it everywhere in, in this world around us. Uh, I don't think that's what Jesus means. He's saying, do what's best for you. Uh, two things I want to draw out, again from uh, Leviticus. Firstly, loving our neighbor isn't just a spiritual thing. As, as Christians who love the Word of God and, and who want to be ruled by the Word of God, a number of us struggle to obey it in this way. It sure makes life a lot easier if we don't need to be a neighbour to those who have physical or, or material or emotional needs. And yet, Jesus shows us that being a good neighbour will cost us at times. 
This is the same Jesus who said to the rich young man, sell your possessions and give them to the poor. So when people need help and, and we're in a position to be able to help them, it can be costly. Uh, I still have a, a memory uh, from some years back uh, of a man coming into a church service and, and saying he was in need of some money for some food. And a Christian guy very kindly offered to, to go and buy him some groceries to help. Now, the, the skeptic in me wanted to work out all the other avenues this man could have used to, to get the food, or to work out why he wanted the money, really. Uh, but I felt challenged by this guy. He was able to help, and so he helped. Uh, I'm not sure about you, but I'm very good at coming up with reasons not to love my neighbor uh, if it's not obviously a, a spiritual need. It's very easy to excuse ourselves from Jesus' command to love our neighbor as ourselves, isn't it? Leviticus talks about providing food for the poor and the foreigner, not showing partiality to the poor or, or favor to the great, treating the foreigner as one of your own people. So when we hear that, we think it's not a very practical idea for us. Our society has changed. You don't help people unless you know them. You don't treat strangers as, as friends, you, you treat them as, as dangerous. You need to be on your guard. Who, who knows what these people are really like? You see the potential cost with this command. You may have had experiences where, where people have taken advantage of Christian charity, where they've abused the love that, that you or others have shown them, and that makes you very reluctant to love others in this way again. Or even sceptical when you come across people in need. Now, of course, Jesus knows what humans are like, how they might respond, that they might take advantage of your kindness and even misuse it. But it doesn't stop him commanding his people to love our neighbor as we would want to be loved. We can't control their response, but we can choose whether or not we will obey these words of Jesus. Loving our neighbor isn't just a spiritual thing. Uh, and, that's, uh, and for some of us, that will be hard to hear and, and even harder to obey. second thing that Leviticus reminds us of is that loving our neighbor isn't just a material thing. Amid all these commands to love your neighbor in Leviticus, uh, there's unmistakable statements for the reason why. Verse 10, I am the Lord your God. Verse 12, verse 14, verse 16, verse 18, I am the Lord. This call to love a neighbor was deeply grounded in a love for God in Leviticus, and the same is clear in Matthew. But for some of us, when we push back against that first struggle by only caring for the material needs of others, and this is where a number of, of Christians can, can very easily lose their way. By only caring for the material or, or physical or emotional or social needs, while never addressing the deeper spiritual needs. It's an overcorrection of the first problem, isn't it? Love for a neighbor doesn't ignore those other needs, but love for a neighbor also won't ignore their greatest need. Because remember, if someone doesn't love God, they don't love Jesus, then they have no hope for eternity. And if we don't even attempt to, to show them Jesus, then we can't call what we're doing love in, in the sense that God uses that word. The opposite extreme, and yet it also falls short. Now, it's a tricky balance trying to obey this command, isn't it? Uh, and I'm sure each of us will, will lean towards one of these things over the other. 
And knowing that, that all people struggle with this tension. Perhaps that's why Jesus shows the link to the, the second commandment without even being asked. And surely this was something the Pharisee needed to hear. Jesus didn't see a, a love for a neighbor among the religious leaders. They, they claim to love God, but it's the way they treat others that concerns Jesus. They're looking out for their own interests, but not so much for the interests of others. How should I love my neighbor? By, by looking out for their interests. That means their, their spiritual needs, and it means their physical and, and material and emotional and uh, other needs when the opportunity arises. Now, the final question I think uh, this passage leaves us with, what does it actually look like for you and I? Uh, I see some wonderful examples of a love for God leading to a love for neighbor in our church family. Uh, and there will be examples that, that we don't see. Uh, people here who, who love their neighbors or who have experienced the love of a neighbor, and many of us would, would never know about it because it's done to obey God and, and not for recognition from others. And I'm really grateful for the way uh, that God uh, has been at work in us uh, in the way that we see those things and don't see those things. And I pray that he would keep doing that. Now some practical ways we, we might love our neighbors, uh, help others practically when you see a need that you can meet. Uh, invest time in the people God has placed in your life. Or offer a listening ear or, or prayer for others. Think about ways to encourage them as they walk with God. Speak the truth in love when you see a brother or sister heading down the wrong path. Speak with other Christians when you see something unresolved between them. Invite people into your life, into your home. Uh, the other side of that, accept invitations when people do invite you in. Uh, Christmas is just around the corner. Uh, are there people who might be in need of, of this kind of neighbourly love at this time of year? Is, is there a way that you can involve others? Can you do something uh, practical for, for a spouse or, or friend who is involved? Visiting someone who, who you know won't have much people contact. Uh, helping the, the single mum or dad who is juggling the load of two parents on their own. Caring for discipling the person who is the only Christian in their family. Or maybe it's the Christmas event. Maybe that's a way that we can show our love for our distant neighbours. Uh, one other practical thing. But loving your neighbour is more than being nice or, or kind or pleasant to others. Uh, this is something I think a number of Christians wrongly slip into thinking. Thinking that being pleasant is, is love or being polite. Uh, part, of, part of loving your neighbour in Leviticus is rebuking them, frankly. Sometimes a, a love for neighbour will be challenging them. The problem with politeness and, and kindness, if we minimise love to, to only look like that, it's very easy for us to, to keep people kind of at arm's length. You don't really have to engage with people to be polite with them, do you? But loving our neighbour is more involved than that. That's not a license to be impolite or, or rude, but don't minimise the love Jesus called us to just by being pleasant to others. Because uh, we know as, as people who fall into sin, sometimes we need a gentle rebuke and sometimes we need a stern one. Now all of these things uh, sound great, I'm sure, but maybe you're someone who is actually struggling to love your neighbour. God, God's placed them in your life, but you're finding it really hard to love in this way. How do I love someone who is so difficult? So broken. How do I love someone who has such different views on the Bible and, and how we're called to live as Christians? 
or who has uh, touched high expectations of you, or someone who is just so frustrating, annoying, uh, and really impossible on, on so many levels. It's not hard to imagine uh, Jesus perhaps uh, thinking some of these thoughts uh, or praying some of these things and asking God a similar question about us. He knows the, the struggle of, of loving difficult neighbours, those whom God has given him. We just need to, to look in the mirror and we see his struggle. But for some reason, he perseveres with us. All the way to the cross and, and even now. He continues to love us, showing his deep love for God as a result. If you're struggling to love your neighbour, to, to be a neighbour to him, remember how God has treated you. And pray to him. Ask him to grow that love for this person. Very hard to withhold love for a neighbour when you're continuously praying for them. Uh, try it yourself and, and see. So, do you love God? Is it seen in a love for those He has placed in your life? When we love God, we become concerned for the things He is concerned for. See, these two commandments, they, they matter to God. And love is the common thread. That, that's why the Apostle Paul. Uh, writes in Romans 13, Love does no harm to its neighbour, therefore it's the fulfilment of the law. And of course Jesus provides us with the perfect example of that. The same one who addressed the material and, and physical needs of those whom he came across, who, who had compassion on the 5,000 and fed them, who saw physical needs and, and cared for them, who turned water into wine to save a bridegroom from shame. But it also addressed spiritual needs, calling people like you and I to repentance. They didn't hold back the truth of the gospel, even when he knew it might cause deep offence. Who died on a cross to be a neighbour to others. Who always did what was best for us, even when those closest to him, his own disciples, couldn't see it. Uh, the monk that I mentioned in the, the story earlier, uh, the story earlier, he had a, a very different take on these words of Jesus. May our love for God lead to a love for our neighbour, not to retreat from them. A love that expects nothing in return other than the knowledge.